this is Jim from Safety Wars. Before we start the program, I want to make sure everyone understands that we often have OSHA and EPA citations, along with some other regulatory actions from other agencies, legal cases, and criminal activity. Everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Proposed fines are exactly that, and they are often limited, reduced, or vacant. Records, news apps, and press releases. We cannot warranty or guarantee the details of any of the stories we share, since we are not directly involved with these stories, at least not to the time. Enjoy the show. This, is, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. And from the border of Liberty and Prosperity, the highway to the north, this is Safety Wars. For Wednesday, February 7th, 2023. How's everybody doing out there? I hope okay. Anyway, where have I been? Dealing with a major family crisis uh, right now. Don't know how I'm sounding out there. Let me wait for the stream to catch up. We have a lot of echoes going on. Okay, let me see what's going on. Okay, for whatever reason, I'm getting a lot of echo and a lot of this stuff lately. Anyway, okay, there we go. Okay. I gotta figure this out because it's like every program and everything else that we're doing here. And this keeps happening and it keeps changing and it keeps doing everything else. Okay. Uh, let's go and okay. I think we got it sorted out. All right. Where have I been? I've had a major family crisis over the last uh, two weeks, actually uh, one minor one, one major one. Uh, so, uh, thank you for everybody being out there, uh, with, uh, all the, from all the sword. I've gotten text messages. I've gotten email. I've got all different other types of things going on. Let's just say that, uh, be happy. Whatever situation is, be happy uh, if things aren't really, uh, uh, be happy if nothing major is going on. We've had, uh, but what I, I always remember is that there are other people out there with bigger issues than me. And I'll be philosophical on this. I think uh, we are given these situations because we can handle them and we have to show resilience and we have to make a good example for everybody else and try to be an inspiration for everyone else. At least that's what I keep telling myself. But when you're in that situation, you don't really, uh, it's kind of hard to see the bigger picture with things. I'm told that the book of Job 
right? Uh, and from the Bible, right? Uh, all of these, we could understand. We're not to really understand the things, bigger things out there. Long-term stuff going on, the overall stuff. I've had a lot of bad things happen to me. I'm not saying I got more bad things than other people, but I've had a tremendous amount of bad things happen to me over the years. And one thing that I, one thing that I've always learned is that uh, with all this, with all this stuff that we, there are, what's the word I'm looking for? Things happen. And then much later on, you find out that you find out why they happened. You may never find out why they happened. You find what happened and why they happened, uh, and then you you know you go from there. It's just one of those things. Okay, uh, and that's it. So we're just going to go over. I really don't have any big long speeches or anything else prepared here, like I do. We're going to go into the news and views of everything and uh, uh, everything safety. We'll see how far we get to this is going to be oh, ending up at nine o'clock usual. Uh, all right. And we are streaming out there. So we're good. We're good. Things are working now. All right. So for whatever reason, the uh, press releases on from the Department of Labor have slowed down, it seems. Uh, and from Russia, I know that they're extremely active because we get a lot of phone calls. Uh, we have phone calls galore every day with people with OSHA issues. Uh, and you could get in contact with us too at jim at safetywords.com or 845-269-5772. This past week, we had a situation where a executive at a high-level company I work at, a big company I work with, they needed safety training. They're managing different types of jobs, and they did not understand the process of OSHA, the process of what they were doing uh, safety-wise, what to look at for, the pitfalls, the leading indicators that I look for. Other people look for uh, – safety training has to be relevant to what you're doing. And with this particular safety training, it was not the shovel person on the shovel end. This was a manager. So we approached the whole thing like – how does a manager manage this type of project? How does a manager what, uh, assess the contractors they're working with? How does the manager assess uh, what, what a leading indicator? What, what could indicate that you might have a problem with a company? And that's often what I do, and it's one-on-one, -on -one, and that's often what I do with managers. We go into HOP, obviously, intro to uh, HOP. We have a very long discussion. We talk about uh, Jens Rasmussen. We talk about error modes, error rates, and uh, trying to set up a job so you're in that all-important skills mode where you have uh, high familiarity with the job, a low attention span. And he said, well, you know, uh, Jimmy, that low attention span, that doesn't seem well. But it has to deal with the job. With the low attention span, high familiarity, you have the lowest amount of errors. And it's hard to get your concept around because we've been told low attention span means that you are complacent with the job and you're not checking out what's going on out there. 
That's what we've been told again and again and again and again. We all know that it is, as the Romanians call it, Rohat. You could go look that one up. So, uh, you know, that's not what we're about. That's not what we're doing. Uh, we're, uh, you know, we're about making things safer. The other thing I came across, I have a lot of little things I put down, you know, predatory hiring. And we have safety tyranny. All these things are out there, right? Uh, we've coined here a, a, lot, a couple of other terms, but that's the other thing. Safety tyranny. Do you really want to uh, rule your, your job site as a tyrant? My opinion is this, and uh, this was my client's uh, experience with everything and a lot of other safety professionals. The more you uh, have a command and control type situation where you will, right, like Eric Cartman from South Park, you will respect my authority, right? And walking around like a Department of Interior guy, right? Uh, not a little spoof. I know that's a little bit of an older reference there. Uh, that's uh, the less effective you're going to be doing safety. So I try to keep things light. When I'm in the field, keep things light, keep everybody getting along. No, get the donuts once a week for the job, right? What or whatever? No, name your uh, name your thing. Try and get along. Uh, no, I was talking over the weekend with uh, around the campfire at a Boy Scout event with uh, another father who's also an assistant scoutmaster. And we uh, were just talking about work and everything. I never really got to know this gentleman. Really great guy. I never had a problem with him. But, you know, you don't, you don't get to know people. Unless, in my opinion, unless you're sitting around a fire. And if you have shared experiences, shared struggles, in this case, getting a campfire started, uh, you tend to get, uh, you tend to get to know the person. So I got to no try to get to know him, and uh, one of the things that he said, you know, and he's an occasional listen, listener out there, he says, you do know that uh, your data that you generate, that you're talking about, all your safety stuff out there, uh, people are making models with this, and he's in charge. I'm not allowed to go into details, but he's in charge. Uh, uh, he's one of the people in charge of an organization that uses safety data among other things, to write uh, to input into computer programs to assess risk. And it's all proprietary, and it's, uh, you know, uh, he works for a company you've heard of. Anyway, he, uh, and he said, this is all really interesting what you're talking about, because a lot of stuff that you're auditing in the field, and I hear you know we we're talking about work, well, what do you audit? Things of that nature, I've uh, been auditing a lot of uh regular general industry offices that have uh, insurance policies that uh, the insurances are from OCs and they require a very detailed safety audit. And he says, all that data that you're generating goes into programs like, right. And I said, well, that's really interesting. So uh, that's, and we talk about predicting accidents and things of that nature, but there are actual people out there that do this. Uh, for a living, and to hear hear it from a programmer's perspective, uh, it was pretty interesting. Uh, but the same basic rules apply. What we've always said here, and what we've always said in other uh, venues, 
It's extremely difficult to predict an accident. There, you know, accidents happen almost at random, unless, and I've always put this caveat in, unless you're able to generate a lot of data points. And I mean a tremendous amount, uh, because that's the way statistics work. And uh, and they have to be objective, objective, not subjective, objective data points. And I said, well, how many data points are you looking at? Here that you know to uh, with your programs to assess risk. He says for a reliable program, you literally have to be thousands and tens of thousands of data points uh, being generated all at the same time. And I was like, wow, that's really uh, interesting that you would say that. So uh, what what does it come? What does that mean for us? What do we do with that? Your organization are they generating thousands of subjective data points? Or I'm sorry, thousands of objective data points. Or are they doing subjective data points? Because unless they're doing that, you know, at least according to this person, the models are all Gouvenau. So uh, something, you, you know, you have to do. I said, well, how reliable are your stuff? He says, for what we do and what we're assessing risk on, pretty accurate. So, okay, we'll leave it at that. Here we have a federal court orders a Portland restaurant to pay 540K to employees after illegal splitting tips. And there's a lot of talk out there, a lot of controversy on tips uh, out there. A lot of people feel, uh, you know, uh, ridiculous about the tips. I mean, they add on tips onto everything automatically now. And people don't watch, they add more to the tips. So, uh, so, for example, you go out to a restaurant with six people, they're going to put an automatic tip on there. And then people will watch, they add more tips. So wh- where does this come out to in this country? Because it doesn't happen too much in other con- countries. It comes back to the back what I've read, back to the Civil War and prior to the Civil War in this country and in the Deep South and even where they didn't want to pay people anything. They were former slaves or anything else, so they let the customers pay folks. And that, this is where it came uh, into, and it's kept up with the restaurants. Uh, I, I tell you what, it's uh, I have mixed feelings on tipping. But uh, here we have a, an investigation by the U.S. Department of Labor's Wage and Hour Division found 11 restaurants operating under a Portland-based restaurant chain Illegally allowed, and we don't normally mention uh, names here, illegally allowed managers to participate in tip pools by doing so with a portion of employees earned tips. Federal law prohibits some restaurant employees from tipping out of managers, tipping out managers from a tip pool and clean paid on an hourly basis. The investigation also revealed the employer hired a 17-year-old minor to drive a motor vehicle, a violation of the Fair Labor Standards Hazardous Occupations for minors. The resolution, the consent uh, judgment permanently enjoins the company uh, and the owners uh, and company officer from violating the FLSA and orders a payment of 270000 plus in back wages as well as the same amount in liquidated damages for 367 employees. How many times do they go back? Right? How many years? The uh, court or also ordered uh, the company to pay close to $30,000 in uh, penalties. Uh, I tell you what, it's, uh, 
it's one of those things, guys, right? A lot of crap that's going on out there. U.S. Department of Labor finds, K, uh, finds a farm processing again exposes uh, workers to multiple hazards at an Ohio chicken processing plant. So let's see what we have here. This is, I'm going down here and I, let's do a share screen, our famous share screens on Safety Wars. Mm-hmm. Do a share screen to get this up here and. All right. Do, 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 do. Come on back. And. All right, here we go. So this is how, uh, and, and I went through this with a client this morning. It's extremely important that you go through and you read. If you see one of these OSHA citations, you read the whole thing. Because uh, there is a lot of data in here that people miss on how they go, how they do this, uh, on what they do. Uh, there's a lot of, no, there's a lot of stuff that you miss unless you actually read everything. Now, okay. All right, we're going to scroll down and let's look at this. Notice to employees of informal conference. You have to actually post this in a public area where the uh, where your workers meet. So normally my clients uh, do this in a lunchroom or time clock with this. And they take a picture of it to prove that they actually did it. The next thing is this. Certification of correction, corrective action worksheet. You need, you need to fill this out send it in why because then it gets into everything and if you know uh it gets inputted into a database whoever um, that's my belief on here uh and here we have who six i love this usc 666 whoever knowingly makes any false statements representative or representation or certification in any application record plan or other documents filed or required to be maintained pursuant uh, to the act, shall, upon conviction, be punished by a fine of not more than $10,000 or by imprisonment of not more than six months or both. So uh, if you have a client that was, wants to mess around with this, make sure your name isn't on it, number one. Uh, if you're an employee, make sure your name is not on this. Right? This has got to come from a manager. That's what I always recommend. So... This company here, uh, the inspection dates were and from last August to uh, January of this year. And the issuance date was yeah, uh, today on the 7th. Citation 1901 series. Vertical clearance above any stair tread to any overhead obstruction is at least 6 foot 8 inches as measured from the leading edge of the tread. On or about August 7, 2023, in the Sludge Press building, there was an overhead obstruction at a height of approximately 49.49 and a quarter inches above the leading edge of the third stair trend, caused by a sludge discharge by running across the stairs that was used to access a platform. 
encompassing employees trip and fall hazards, sending or descending the stairs. This is a new one for me. I thought, you know, some of the things out there, you're like, man, would anybody actually ever do that? Yeah, well, the regulation is there. So we should do that. So that was $10,140. Item two, each flight of stairs having at least three treads and at least four risers equipped with the stair rails and handrail sisters. The handrail systems and handrails as follows. Okay, and they did not have a stair rail on thing on two staircases, $10,140. Citation one, item three, again, 3A. This is lockout tagout, $16,131. Uh, they got them under the new, uh, under uh, the new uh, uh, fine level, right? Maybe that's why they put the uh, uh, inspection out to, uh, January on that to get the new fine uh, fee schedule here uh, because this uh, I don't know so uh, the established procedures for the application of energy control the lockout or attack out procedures shall cover the following elements and actions and shall be done in the following sequence as required by 29 CFR 1910 147 uh, again uh, they did not have let's see here so there are associate uh, employees are exposed with associated uh, moving parts of hydraulic lifting arms and going nip points and unguarded chains and sprockets caught between the hazards between moving edges. The employer did not implement an energy control application steps as the machine was not shut down or turned off to perform servicing work. So if you're going to service something, you got to go through the lockout tagout, which I always point out. On uh, the hierarchy of controls is a rule and therefore an administrative step, and therefore you're going to have people. Uh, it's not very reliable, right? Not very reliable. Well, Jim, what do you mean? Well, lockout tagout is a set of rules, guys. Not very reliable. Yes, you're eliminating a hazard. However, you're getting there through a rule. And how often do our rules violations there? Well, $16,131. 1910-147, again, uh, not uh, a personal lot, not or personal lockout or tagout advice, not a fix. Zero dollars there. Citation one, item four, serious. No guards. $12,676. Machine guarding. Citation one, item five, type of violation, serious. No guards. Again, 12676 Citation one, item six. No, uh, all sprocket wheels and chains shall be enclosed unless they are more than seven feet above the floor or platform. $12,676. Citation one, item seven. 1910-219. All projecting keys, set screws, and other projections and revolving parts shall be removed or made flush or guarded by a metal cover. So in this case, a uh, wings conveyor, I don't know what kind of conveyor that is, but it's a wings conveyor. Employees were exposed to caught uh, in hazards using unprotected rolling, rotating shaft. Again, uh, that was $12,676. Citation one item seven. Type of violation, serious. No guards. 15,000 to 11.
Citation two. This was a repeat. Each employee needs to be protected from tripping into or stepping in or into or through any hole that is less than four feet above a lower level. So uh, the, let's see here. The employer did not ensure employees were protected from stepping into two approximately nine inch wide, six inches long floor holes, range between 22 and 45 inches in depth. And is going on. Uh, uh, second one uh, was on or about August. The employer did not ensure employees were protected from stepping to two approximately nine inch wide by 46 inches long floor holes and were approximately 22 inches in depth that were open when the hydraulic lifting arms were in the up position. Uh, exposed employees to trip and flip uh, both of these, exposing employees to trip and fall hazards at the same level. This was done. Previously, on March 21st, 2019, here. So, again, $76,054. Probably would have cost almost nothing to fix this from the description. Citation to item two, a lockout town. Procedural issue. Second time they got caught was the $63,382. Citation to item three. Training. Repeat. Second time they were caught with this, $161,000. Citation three, item one, procedural, repeat, other. And again, no procedures with this up. $1,267. They went easy on them that because it was a repeat. Citation three, item two, a repeat, other. 506 bucks, and the width of working space in front of electrical equipment shall be the width of the equipment or 30 inches, whichever is greater. In all cases, working space shall permit at least a 90-degree opening of equipment doors or hinge panels. Uh, $506, again, locking a door to open it. We're almost there, guys, and we'll take a break. Citation three, item three, type of violation, repeat other, unless specifically permitted otherwise, and paragraph, blah, 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 flexible cords and cables may not be used as substitute for the fixed wiring of a structure. Again, uh, on or about, blah, 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 a flexible cord was used as fixed wiring for a death on arrival conveyor drive motor. Again, this was a repeat, $1,267. And the final one, citation for item one, 1910-178. That is an industrial, powered industrial truck. Nobody trained. By the way, I'm doing two days of training on that this week. You, know, you need it? 845-269-5772. And for a grand total, propose... $393,449. Okay, and we're going to go to commercial break. In 
In the professional safety community, communication and planning are just a few keys to your program's success. The question many practitioners have is, where do I start? Dr. Jay Allen, the creator of the Safety FM platform and host of the Rated R Safety Show, has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including Blaine Hoffman with the Safety Pro, Sam Goodman with the Hop Nerd, Sheldon Primus with the Safety Consultant, Jim Pozell with Safety Wars, Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold, and many others. As individuals, we can do great things, but as a team, we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself with a powerful force of knowledge and support. OSHA recordables, catastrophic losses, environmental disasters. You want answers? So do I. This is Jim Pozel with Safety Wars. That's my daddy. In an unpredictable world, one voice rises above the chaos. Meet Jim Pozel, a seasoned safety expert who's navigated through some of the most dangerous scenarios from anthrax, explosive cleanups, disasters, and numerous environmental cleanups, and lived to tell the tale. Now, he's bringing his wealth of knowledge, insights, and experiences to you through Safety Wars. From workplace hazards to the hidden dangers in your own home, Jim covers it all. With his engaging storytelling and expert analysis, Safety Wars isn't just a podcast. It's your guide to a safer world. Join Jim Polzel and become part of the Safety Wars revolution. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts and videos. Safety Wars. Your safety is our mission. This is Safety Wars, broadcasting to our brothers and sisters in the occupied territory of behavior-based safety. Get out your secret decoder ring. Here is your nightly message. Learning is vital. Learning is vital. Thank you so much, honey. That was my wife. Can we get a round of applause for her? Bonfire. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Safety Wars is streaming now. SafetyFM.com All right, this is a news release. A roofing company out of Alabama pays $117,175 penalty after 15-year-old's fatal fall at an Alabama worksite. Apex Roofing and Store, I'm going to mention it this time. Apex Roofing and Restoration LLC paid $117,175 in civil monetary penalties after U.S. DOL determined that the roofing contractor employed a 15-year-old child in violation of federal child labor laws, resulting in the child's death at a Coleman work site. On July 1st, a teen reported to the work site for the first day on the job while working on the roof of a Coleman Casting Corporation building, the teen worker fell 50 foot to the floor below, suffering fractures in the wrist, skull, and ribs, among other severe injuries. The teen was pronounced dead at the scene. They uh, basically, uh, 
The Department's Wage and Hour Division found Apex Roofing illegally employed the team in violation of the Fair Labor Standards Act, Child Labor ha Hazardous Occupation, order that prohibits workers under the age of 18 from engaging in dangerous jobs designated by the act, including roofing and construction operations. After an investigation begun in 2019, the agency assessed the civil monetary penalty of 117 thousand one hundred seventy five dollars through the child enhanced penalty program the program increases penalties to address violations that cause the death or serious injuries of any worker under the age of 18 i don't know uh, what to tell you uh, i'll skip down now, obvious tragedy the physical fiscal year 2023 the wage an hour division found child labor violations and more than 915 investigations resulting in more than $8 million in penalties. I can tell you this much. It happens a hell of a lot more than 950 times. Uh, I, I know in, uh, right, I'm clicking through here. Right. So this is going up and up and up every year. It seems that's the trend. I mean, this is what they know about. Probably if this child uh, did not get killed, we probably would have never heard of this. My problem is, is that it took six year, uh, five years to get there. Really? Well, we ha did have COVID, but come on. An emergency temporary uh, U.S. Department of Labor obtains emergency court order retirement plan assets. Alleged Pittsburgh company owner embezzled $5.5 million from the plans. An emergency temporary restraining order issued by the U.S. District Court for the Western uh, District of Pennsylvania in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The action follows a complaint and motion filed by the U.S. DOL on January 26th. The River and the company uh, that is a third-party administrator for at least 240 retirement plans that hold millions of dollars of plan assets and acts as an agent to manage and administer plan assets. At least 229 of these retirement plans are covered by the Employer, Employee Retirement Income Security Act of 1974. An investigation by the department's Employee Benefits Security Administration determined that Rivers Edge Advanced Retirement Solutions LLC and its owner violated ARISA right, from October 2022 through January 2024. And the defendants invented 5.5 mil retirement plan assets from 17 retirement plans by transferring them from retirement plan trusts into their own corporate accounts. Uh, I tell you know, again. I don't have enough. Hmm. I don't have enough background on here to really comment. I'm just going to put it out there. Uh, this is, here's another one. Deal agriculture employer pays 18,000 back wages and penalties. Right. And it's out of Steel, Alabama. Uh, they uh, recovered uh, 800, $862,862. To back wages for 106 workers, uh, and these were from immigrants, right? H2A program. And the H2A program enables agriculture employees to hire temporary non-immigrant workers to meet business demands while protecting U.S. workers. And with that, I tell you what: if they're violating these things, 
they're violating a lot of other things. It's a, uh, it's a uh, leading indicator. U.S. Department of Labor cites Alabama construction employer after heat illness claims life of 33-year-old worker at a Huntsville job site. Uh, this was released on Friday, on uh, the 5th, Monday. During the peak summer in July 2023, a 33-year-old concrete finisher collapsed at a Huntsville construction site after showing clear signs of heat illness, a tragedy that federal safety investigators found could have been prevented had the employer followed established safety practices for heat hazards. An investigation by the U.S. Department of Labor's Occupational Safety and Health Administration into the July 28, 2023 fatality found workers at workers of SJNL general contractor were hand-forming concrete curbs run as the heat index neared 170 degrees and humidity climbed to 85%. The worker was seen by co-workers stumbling, talking incoherently, and eventually vomiting before becoming unresponsive, as indicative of a heat stroke. No employees provided first aid and paramedics transported uh, the worker to the hospital. The worker died only two hours later. Uh, okay, so uh, an employer faces $16,131 in proposed penalties, an amount set by a federal statute. So uh, just here, let's see what they have here. Okay, so this is what they did. This is I'm sorry, this is a little bit sneaky here. Um, so the inspection date was well before the new uh, fees uh, took uh, effect. And they finished the investigation one week after the new, fee, new citation schedule was issued. A little bit dirty there. I, I don't like that. I don't like that. Uh, that's that kind of stuff. That's not nice. I, I'm, you know, because I doubt that they were had heat stress issues in January. Now, this was a general duty clause violation here, right? So, as we know, with a general duty clause, they have to not only tell you what that uh, was a known hazard, uh, the hazard, the employees were exposed to hazards. And that there was a way of abating the hazards and there's and things of that nature, right? There's four different uh, criteria for that, right? Uh, there, you no, know, it was possible. There was a way of fixing it. Was recognized, and uh, the employees were exposed to the hazard, serious or more higher gravity. This is what we have there. I think that's that. I, I know I'll hear about it in the comments. The employer did not furnish employment. And a place of employment which were free of recognized hazards that were causing or likely to cause death or serious physical harm. Now, how much money, right? A man died here, right? 16131 that was the maximum, right? Now, explain to me how much money and how much more productivity you're going to get out of workers if you make sure that they have enough water, Right? Basically, water, sports drinks, things of that nature. How much does that cost you? Not a lot. One, it's not going to cost you the price of a worker's life, and it ain't going to cost you uh, $16,131 right here. And, and it, I mean, 
I don't know what to tell you about this. This is what I tell people in the hazmat field. Right? So you're doing emergency response, like I did up for private companies uh, and things of that nature. Or you get a phone call late at night. Hey, Jim, we need you. There's a spill somewhere. You got to help out. Blah, blah, blah. What do you, what do I, what did I always do? And then what do I always recommend everybody do? The way you bring your own water. Because they're out there and they're not even sure what, you don't, you don't know what you're getting into, right? You're not sure at all what you're getting into. You can be getting into, you know, nothing is uh, set up often. You say, well, Jim, you work with people who don't set things up. Oh, we're talking. Yeah. What, what, you're surprised that I work with people that don't set anything up? Really? <laughs> Come on. You know, uh, you, don't know what, you know what's being set up, what they're going to have. And so the first day, bring water with you. Bring your own water. Bring your own sports drink. Whatever, no, whatever floats your boat. That's what I always tell people. And then, after that, now, four hours into it, you're an employer. You sh should have your own stuff. You should be all set up and ready to go. What I, now, you Jim, well, I, that's unreasonable. No, it's not really unreasonable. Right? So what, this is what, how you handle it. Guys, I'm giving you allowance quarterly, right? To go, here's your allowance, or you could show me receipts. Go out and make sure that you have a gallon of water with you at all times in your car, in your locker, on your truck, whatever the case may be. One gallon of water. And then you tell your supervisors, right, especially if you get to a hazmat job, there are two questions that you have to have. Among a lot of questions, but two of them. Number one, I tell people before they even touch anything, what are we going to do with the waste, right? What are we going to do? What are we generating? Do we need to generate waste? Well, that's important. Because you want to minimize any generation of hazardous materials in there. You don't want to add to the problem. It's number one. And number two, what's number two? Number two is water. Where are we going to get water and sanitation? Now, we get uh, comments sometimes. At least I used to get comments all the time. Well, why don't these idiots go out there and, you know, they're causing, we've got idiots that are causing us money, causing us woe, causing us to spend a lot of money that we don't have, right, and things of that nature. Well, I don't know. There was one major furniture manufacturer that caused a change and uh, that got the blame, at least, for uh, causing change into uh, your OSHA 300 logs and how record-keeping is done. So my question is this. Uh, in the industry, if you have companies that are con constantly causing problems and con constantly, uh, you know, uh, causing, like, in this case, heat stress problems and people getting killed. I mean, a lot of people get killed from the U.S. every year. Why aren't you, we as a community, going out and uh, shunning them? Yes, I said shun. 
ostracize. Things of that nature. That, that's what the question is. Do we need to do that? Because I tell you what, OSHA has a very limited budget here. We're relying on insurance companies and the goodness and leadership of safety professionals and other management to, to and then uh, guidance from non-governmental organizations like ANSI, ACGIH, you name it, to protect workers. At a certain point, right, because OSHA regulations apply to anybody who has a job, right, who is not an entrepreneur, who's not self-employed, who's not a government organization. At a certain point, wouldn't it be make sense that we actually go out there, we learn what some of these regulations are, we have a lot of good programs, are. I have this show, Safety Wars, and everybody else on this network here, 17 uh, people, 17 programs, 18 programs, something like that. And plus, there are things not on this network, but I would concentrate on this network. But anyway, uh, you know, that you sit down with your, especially when this 15-year-old we talked about. Hey, guys, now fall protection is like a real thing in the roofing industry. Wouldn't that wouldn't that be nice for the parents or a guardian to say that? If they're not giving you fall protection, don't work there. Or better yet, you're going into a very highly hazardous working environment. If they're not giving you your fall protection, your equipment that you need, maybe, perhaps, you shouldn't be working there. I get phone calls often, especially in the summer with heat stress, from concerned parents that have taken our safety training classes over the years. Hey, my uh, son, my daughter is in a working environment, summer job. And we're, they're at risk, right? What do I do? I don't know. Something that, you know, we're getting into the spring here. Something to think about. Maybe, perhaps, right, as part of your graduation gift to your recent uh, graduate that, hey, send them into a safety training class. Don't rely on the employer. We're going to go into some EPA news here. And we will do share a screen again. Right. Some of the stuff I got on here is non-governmental websites. And I do show non-governmental websites on here. EPA reached a settlement with Greenland Generation LLC on actions to address compliance with coal ash regulations. What do we got here? Today, the U.S. EPA, and this is February 6th, announced a settlement under the agency's coal ash, uh, coal ash program with uh, this company and electrical generating plant in Dresden, New York. This settlement, the first national enforcement compliance initiatives, commits the company to address groundwater monitoring issues and to ensure the proper closure of coal ash surface impoundments under the RECRA Act, Resource Conservation Recovery Act. The company will also pay a fine of $105,000. Uh, prior to 2015, the management and disposal of coal ash was not regulated uh, at the national level. 
It was regulated to varying degrees, if at all, by some states under various programs. Historic disposal occurred through placement of unlined surface impoundments and landfills without proper containment management contaminants from coal ash can pollute waterways, groundwater, drinking water. So here we have what's uh, the, the, what they're talking about are heavy metals, cadmium, arsenic, and cobalt, and the big one is mercury. So, uh, okay, there we go on that. Now, well, there was some weird news out there, right? With uh, now we're gonna go on over to stuff over in study finds, all right? Category six why a devastating new hurricane level may be coming soon. This is an article by study find staff, uh, out of Berkeley, California, with global. Warming and rising ocean temperatures making it even more catastrophic. Climate scientist Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory proposing the addition of a hypothetical Category 6 to the Saphir Simpson wind scale. The update would aim to address the estimation of, of uh, risk. And the article is on and on. Okay, well, that's good. Updating, you know, things as appropriate for that. Right, scientific knowledge increases. Uh, here we have another one here. Computer internet connection is slow. Uh, and, uh, Viagra for dementia. Erectile dysfunction linked to Alzheimer's protection. The UED medications like Viagra may provide an even greater health benefit. Preventing Alzheimer's disease. A new study finds that these drugs reduce the risk of developing Alzheimer's by nearly 20%. The problem is, is that I'm going to say this. I want to know who uh, funded this. Because right now, these drugs are not covered by insurance for most things. Right, That's why they have all those things up in uh, Canada and overseas getting this stuff. So is this a thing where uh, is this a thing where the insurance companies are trying to get this to be covered by insurance? Or the companies are trying to get this covered by insurance? By quite, right? That way everybody makes more I'm, I mean, this is a very graphic article. We're not going to. This is Dr. Ruth Brower from University College in London. So I know I'm going to stop with the uh, jokes there with this. I, I, I know it was very tempting people to joke about this. Uh, I love blueberries. There was a story on blueberries that came out here. Oh, hold on. All right. Light scattering discovery explains why blueberries are blue. Okay, we're going to wait. So here we go. 
This is out of the UK from studyfinds.org. The unique color of blueberries comes from tiny structures in their wax coating, a discovery that can lead to eco-friendly paints, researchers in the United Kingdom explained. Scientists at the University of Bristol successfully harvested this substance to create an unprecedented blue coating, a breakthrough inspired by the natural hues of blueberries and other similarly colored fruits like damsons, sloes, and juniper berries. There's study shows that a true source of the blueberry's blue coloration, which contrasts with the dark red pigments found in the school fruit skin, the blue hue is attributed to a wax there enveloping the fruit, composed of minuscule structures that scatter blue and ultraviolet light. The scattering effect gives blueberries their blue appearance to human eyes and a blue UV appearance from two birds, stemming from the interaction of light with a randomly arranged crystal. Wow, that's interesting. Okay, most people, this is from study finds, most people clueless about their own blood pressure and cholesterol. Less than half of the population is aware of their own blood pressure, a new study reveals. Researchers from Ohio State reveal that while many adults can recall their childhood address or their best since birthday, fewer than half of them know anything about their blood pressure readings or ideal weight. Moreover, fewer... And one in five people know their cholesterol and blood sugar levels. The research involved questioning over 1,000 American adults about their awareness of their blood pressure, ideal weight, cholesterol, and blood sugar levels. Conducted by researchers at the Ohio State University, the team aimed to highlight the importance of monitoring these health matrix metrics to identify risks of heart disease. Yeah, I can attest to that. Now, uh, now uh, you ask people what their A1C level is. They look at you like you have a. Uh, you ask a diabetic what it is, and if they, right, again, that's another leading indicator. What was your last A1C? So what? They don't. Now, this is one that I can relate to. Dangerous after effects linked to using mixed reality headsets. I had not heard of mixed reality until I read this article the other day. Mixed reality head coming all the range. Rage. These cutting-edge devices, which overlay digital content to the real world through pass-through video technology, can revolutionize our daily lives, yet they come with a set of challenges that might hinder widespread adoption for continuous use. Stanford University researchers have unsettling facts while studying headsets, including dangerous after-effects. Mixed reality, also known as spatial computing, is one of the most thought-about stuff. So what it looks like is let's say that you are walking in a barren field. You're able to put these devices on, as my understanding, you're able to see trees, right? Uh, see trees and everything else going through. Now, I tell you, the creep factor for all this is way over the top. I got an itchy head here. I don't know what it is. If you see me on the streamers, I'm uh, way over the oh, way. I mean, come on. We're, at what's at what point? At what point do we say this is wrong? I don't know. Can you imagine somebody going? Uh, um, you know, can you imagine somebody going through a? Uh, 
going through a, uh, you know, a park or something like that, or putting in, you know, inappropriate things on, and then you go, you know, they're walking through, and then, you know, you know, you see people doing, you know, that, that sort of thing out there. And, uh, no, it doesn't, uh, you know, it's not good. I, I mean, this is creepy for me. I prefer real reality rather than mixed reality. Or seen dying. Gen Z wants to drink at home. Could drinking at home become the new night out at the bar? A new two and three Gen Z wine enthusiasts for the comments when it comes to drinking. The poll of 2,000 American adults between 21 and 26-year-olds finds that those who enjoy drink wine, only 23% would choose to go to a bar, and only 18% would opt for drinking at a live event. For Gen Z wine enthusiasts, having glass is important as an opportunity to be social as hanging out with friends. Now, now, I noticed this when I was, you know, my parents passed away recently. We were cleaning out the house. And my dear cousin Susan, uh, who is an occasional listener, did bring up something very observ- observant. And my other uh, friend Nora, same thing. Now, back in the day, 60s and 70s when people had uh, large families every weekend there was stuff going on and when we cleaned out my mother's house we found a lot of stuff from the 60s and 70s well touch since the 60s and 70s call and you know because every weekend people drank at home now i think a more is going on here than uh than uh the story mentions here this is also all study finds we're taking Taking that, and I, I tend to do that once a week. Here, take everything from sleep finds. Uh, you go out again when you go out to a bar. How much a glass of wine go for? And I don't mean like uh, good wine. I mean, uh, you know, ten dollars for a glass, dollars for a glass, ten dollars for beer. You want to go out and have a good time? Guess what? You're, you know, with that. Now, on the other hand. Who wants to get caught with a DUI or DWI in New Jersey? DWI or DUI? Is that really what you want? So, uh, you know, we have Uber, we have Lyft and everything else. But, no, driving drunk, not a good idea, never a idea. And maybe this is just people, things catching up here. Uh, You know, catching up, the, the, the generation now comes up. Hey, I'm, I get uh, the generation. A lot of them don't want to drive. You know, now they don't want to go out and drink in bars. Maybe uh, I, I've had a conversation with my colleagues with the young, young adult, young adults. They sit at home on Zoom or uh, Teams, and they go with friends and they start drinking. This started during uh, COVID, right? I know a couple of the organizations I work with. That's what they had. They had a, a Zoom social hour. Okay, we're gonna watch a movie whatever else for an hour and a half and watch it as a group here and they'll throw in an old movie and have it on zoom that sort of thing uh i don't know oh well we're at the top of the hour here and i want to thank everybody for uh tuning in tonight and uh we will see you tomorrow let me uh do our outro here
The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.